Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the reigning, defending, undisputed podcast. My name is Ian Anderson. With me, as always, my best friend and co-host, Nathan Robinson. Nathan, say hello. Hello. Beautiful. Now, Nathan, let's not waste any time because we have got some, we got a lot to talk about. We are going to break down Saturday's card, uh, but we also have a lot of breaking news to talk about today. Uh, So first and foremost, let's get that out of the way. Uh, UFC 258 next Saturday on, uh, uh, yeah, next Saturday, uh, February, I think 12th or, yeah, I think it's the 12th, uh, 13th, excuse me. But uh, they have announced the full card, and Nathan, I just want to show you some highlights. Uh, obviously, uh, the headliner being Usman versus Burns. That'll be a good one. Uh, oh, man. The wild oh, yeah, card. Nasty. The, the, estab- yes, uh, the established uh, champion in Usman versus the wild card in Burns. So who knows how that one's going to go. We'll talk about that one next week, though. Uh, this is the thing. We'll, we'll get more in detail about each of these fights uh, next week when we do a full breakdown. Excuse me. But the co-main event, Nathan, uh, from the looks of it, will be Macy Barber versus Ooh. Alexa Grasso. Ooh. All right. All right. Yes, I like sir. that. I like that a lot. You know, I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of Macy Barber. Yes, sir. Oh, I man. mean, uh, it, now, uh, am I wrong in saying this will be her first fight since fighting... Uh, fighting... Um, uh, what's her name? Fighting uh, Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, fighting Roxy uh, Montefiore. Yeah, Montefiore. I'm pretty sure this is. This will be. I'm gonna double to the check Octagon. this, but I'm I'm pretty sure it is. I'm unbelievably excited. I mean, it just shows you the amount of faith that the UFC has in uh, Macy Barber that they really they really are trying to push her. If this is a uh, if this is her return to the octagon after that. Uh, I mean, obviously, you well, know, that kind of an injury you can't predict in a fight. Uh, it didn't even seem like, uh, and no offense to Roxanne Montefiore, but it wasn't like Roxanne was throwing, like, very aggressive leg kicks. It just looked like Macy put her weight on her leg weird, and it just gave out on her. Yeah, oh, exactly. And and I just want to say, like, yeah, take nothing away from Roxy. Roxy was winning that fight, injury or not. She was uh, She was winning, but there was... She wasn't winning in the sense of like causing a lot of damage. She was just the more dominant fighter on the ground there, as you could tell. Um, even the, in the stand-up, I feel like it's more so the injury that gave it to her. Once, once that leg gave out, you could see Macy was on her way done. She let out like a good scream a couple times too from different positions they were in. I mean, you, you could see as soon as that leg was injured, it was the beginning of the end for her. 100% already had it. Yes. Yeah. 100%. You just saw it. And, 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 and I mean, yeah, like it, it was, it, it, it sounded so painful that Macy Barber couldn't even hide it. Like it was, it was, yeah, she, she couldn't hide it immediately compromised. And yeah, the fight really had nowhere to go from there. Cause I mean, yeah, you, if she can't even stand up, what are you going to really going to do? Yeah. So and, uh, I was honestly surprised by that fight a little bit. Uh, yeah, I didn't expect Roxanne to do as well as she did against Macy. I don't know if Macy maybe was had like a somewhat pre-existing injury going into that fight and that uh, held her back a little bit and then she fully injured it. I don't know if that's the case. I'm not going to put that out there if that isn't necessarily. I, well, I guess I just did. <laughs> but um, but I don't know. I feel I feel really confident in Macy Barber. The way the way she moves, the way she's constantly faking, going up. Am I going down? Am I going for a takedown? Am I going for a power? Am I going for just a quick jab? She's so well rounded already, and she's so young. I think she's 23, 22, 23 or something yeah, like was, that. She was definitely um, going for the youngest uh, champion, so she's definitely yeah. uh, not not too. Yeah, she, so she's even younger than I think she's. Yeah, I think she's twenty two. She because the. 23 is the is the record of John Jones, right? It's like 23 in four months or something like that. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, so she is currently 22, but I, I think the chance of her being the youngest champion, that is, that's now sort of a... Pipe that's dream. off the table. Yeah, yeah. That's off the table. Um, well, I feel like if, if she... Okay, if she comes in um, and just absolutely wrecks... Um, 
who is she for? Alexa Gracie? Alexa Grosso, yeah. Grosso. Grosso. Um, yeah, if she, uh, if she just knocks her out cold right away first round or even, like, picks her really good and then takes her out, she does that and then gets another really nice performance within, like, two months, which she totally could. If she gets a, if she gets a quick knockout, no, uh, no damage, she could fight again in two months, do it again. Then she'd be looking to fight. I think the number one contender potentially, if she, uh, if she gets two big heavy knockouts. The trouble but, is, the trouble is, Nate. She's born in May, so the time the time is not looking like it will will add up. Um, I mean, you know, you never know. You never know with the sport, but it's just not looking that way. Uh, how, how much time does she have? Uh, like less. A little over a year or less than a year? No, less than a year. She's got... Uh, less than she, a year? She has till May. May 10th or something like that. Um, oh, like May 10th of this year? Of this year, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no, no, yeah. That's off the table then. Yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah, but, but... either way, she's looking like she's a... she. Yeah, exactly. The Montefiore fight, hopefully uh, her injury is not a reoccurring thing. Uh, and she just gets right back on track and is able to... You know, even if she won't be the youngest yeah. champion ever, she could still be champ. She, I, I definitely see the promise oh, that yeah. you saw in her when you, uh, when you told me about her. Uh, I think she's only going to get better and better. I think so. So let's keep going on yeah. to this card, buddy. Uh, the next fight yeah. uh, they announced is Kel- uh, Kelvin Gastelum versus Ian Heinish. Ooh, yeah. All right, all yeah. right, and all right. Uh, you know, obviously we can, we will, we will get into. Uh, we will get into more specifics as this card comes up, but uh, that, that, yeah, just on paper, that just sounds like a great fight. <laughs> it really does. We'll, right, what we'll else give, we got? Uh, we got, let's see here. Pedro Munoz versus Jimmy Rivera too. Uh, I don't remember the okay. specifics about their first fight. I think it ended in either a draw or an upset. It must've ended in a draw. I, hon- I honestly didn't see their first fight. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure about it. Okay. Well, let, yeah. Then we'll move on because I. I. Yeah. We. We. we yeah. We. We got. We got too much to talk about to keep. <laughs> we got way too much to talk about. So those are the real highlights uh, so far. But okay. Okay. On top of that one, buddy, there's a fight that uh, just 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 piqued my interest because it's got two guys i think one of them is a seasoned vet he's one of yours and my favorite fighters and he's going up against a rising star uh who's close to home cub swanson cub oh, swanson our boy cubby is going to fight gavin tucker on may 1st gavin tucker he is the gavin tucker who's new, gavin tucker he is the <laughs> he is the boy from newfoundland okay. uh Right, right, okay, yep. Uh, his last, all right. Yeah, no, on dude, that just sounds like a great fight. Uh, both guys very well rounded. Uh, uh, Gavin Tucker, his last fight ended in decision, but I've I was amazed at his stand up man. It was he was just snapping shots at his opponent. Looked really, really good in that fight. Uh, the previous two for him have been rear naked chokes, and of course, you and I just absolutely love Cobb Swanson. He is a vet of the octagon, uh, has been in some of the most amazing fights ever. And his last fight was incredible. Uh, I'm just looking it up now, but uh, it was a knockout over a guy who was way bigger than him. And in the first round, he Cub Swanson was getting peppered that he was getting peppered and it was not looking good, but uh, Swanson came back and, uh, I always love seeing Cub Swanson in the octagon. I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. for that. Very excited. Yeah, exactly. Love him. Uh, I don't even know who to root for in this fight. Uh, oh, we're rooting for our boy Cubby, man. What are you saying? No, man. No. I mean, I mean. Well, let, let's be real. Let's be real. All right. Um, Gavin's thirteen and one, looking nasty. And um, I didn't see. Uh, I don't think I. I don't know if it was his last fight or his fight before it. But um, his fight before I that know. was I, I, uh, Cron Gracie. Was Cub Swanson? Yes. So. Or Gav- yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, all that, all that fight was ridiculous. I was talking to uh, Gavin Tucker. Sorry, you're right. Just yeah, trying yeah. to find her here, but um, man, Colin Gracie and Cub Swanson, that fight just sells itself. Like we're rewatching that. You don't even have to. 
You don't have to like talk about that fight. You just got to watch that fight. You got to watch it. If you haven't seen it, you, you pause this right now and you go watch that fight and then come <laughs> back to us. That it fight is, was ridiculous. It is just an amazing fight. Uh, Cub just pieces up Crone Gracie, but Crone Gracie just keeps pressing forward, uh, uh, walks through the fire. He, he comes walking at him like he's the third Diaz brother. He moves <laughs> just like them, man. It's so weird. Like you think he's a Gracie. All right, we're going to see some pure jujitsu coming at him. And then he's like, I don't want a jujitsu. I want to stand. And not only do I want to stand, but I want to stand in the pocket, just lift my, my front leg up real high in case you want to leg kick me and throw crazy kicks, throw crazy punches rather. Just like a freaking Diaz, man. You can really see the training uh, from both ends. And I love that. Like even with the Diaz brothers, you see the Gracie training in them when they're using their jiu-jitsu. Uh, I love that. That's that's uh, just seeing Crow and Gracie walk around. It's like you're seeing history in an individual. Yeah. You know, so many different styles. Totally. Uh, but yeah, so Cubs last uh, win was also a knockout over Daniel Pineda. Uh, that was the fight where it looked bad for Cub in the first round because Pineda was just so much bigger than Swanson. And Swanson managed to use his technical striking. He managed to use his experience, knocked him out in the second round. I remember watching this fight because I was so nervous for Cub. But when he got that win, I, I jumped up off my couch. I was so happy. Um, yeah, dude. So I, I know what you're saying, man. Like it, it's one of these, but it is one of these fights, man, where I'm looking at both of these guys. I like both of them. I do. Uh, if I had to, we'll, we'll get into it as May comes along, but uh, the closer the fights get, we'll, we'll predict them. But I just wanted to give you a heads up of that one. I'm very excited for that fight. That is a yeah. grizzled vet versus a up and coming star. Uh, I think in the sport. And I, I'm just super excited for that one. Yeah, that sounds really exciting, man. And the thing about Cub is just every time he fights, it's it's exciting because, I mean, let, let's be real. He's obviously not getting necessarily any younger, you know. He's uh, he's closing in near the end of his career. And uh, when he when he puts on fights like with Kronk AC and stuff and you realize like he still has it in him. So he this is one of those guys who's going to really fight to the very end and – it's some of the most exciting fights ever, you know, when you know that like everyone might be his last to a degree. I'm not saying he's about to retire, but you know, it's closing in. No, it's it's definitely worth discussing, man, because it, it's come up in his last two fights. Like they've, you know, he seems to get asked at every press conference now. It's like, is this going to be the last one? Is this going to be the last one? And uh, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately for us, but unfortunately for him, I mean, he's just looked amazing in his past two fights. So yeah. he's got yeah. no reason to quit. <laughs> nah. he's unless unless he goes on a huge winning streak, he's probably just doing the just keep going till I lose one more loss, and that's pretty much it. Because he had four losses in a row, and then these two last wins. So he's on a two fight win streak, but there's four losses that followed before that. You know. Yep. And again, we're, I'm, I'm look, just looking at, I mean, that's some top talent, though. You lost to Frank oh, top talent. and Brian Ortega. So, yeah. And that's two of the four. Yeah. So, that's not necessarily, you know, it's, it's, not, it's nothing, to, nothing to be ashamed of. And, and Cub Swanson's career speaks for itself. He's been in some of the best fights wow. ever. His fight against. This was savage, savage fights. His fight. Speaking of fights that you need to turn off this program and go watch. Uh, his fight against Doho Choi, I mean, good lord, was that an amazing yeah. fight? Um, oh yeah. But yeah, so very, very excited for that one. But let's get down to brass tacks, shall we? Oh, we got it. If uh, if we're done with that card, man, let's move on. Okay. Um, just, is there uh, someone specific you want to talk first? Uh, just just to uh, just to clear up that uh, that is not all one card, so. Cub will fight in May, uh, but the next. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. that's not next Saturday, but just. Oh, okay. That was... Okay. Just, just one that. Yeah, it was just one I wanted to tell you about because it's Cub. And I, you know, we love Cub, and I, I, I'm a big fan of Gavin Tucker as well. So I'm excited to see him back in the cage, and against a huge, know. you know, a, a huge, uh, uh, you know, a huge uh, uh, elevation of talent in Cub Swanson. You know his. This guy's uh, and and even Gavin Tucker announcing this fight against Cub Swanson said, uh, you know, a deep 
level of respect is, you know, is, is an understatement. He definitely respects the hell out of Cub Swanson. So I think we're going to see a great fight out, out of those two. You can't underestimate the old dogs when they're still deadly bastards. Look at, uh, was it Alexander Hernandez? The way he was talking about Cerrone before he took a shin to the eye. <laughs> like, man, you can't underestimate these old dogs just because they're old and you know they're on their way down, not necessarily peaking. The thing is, yeah, their bodies are maybe slowing down a little bit. Their cardio slowing down. They might even have a little bit less power. But their minds, they're not like old, old men necessarily. Unless they're getting concussed constantly, their minds are still there. And they're more aware. They don't have that cockiness anymore that they feel untouchable. They realize what they're at. And they've seen it all. They've taken it all. They've probably got some losses now under the belts because they're older. Those, those are the guys that really usually show up the upsets because people underestimate them, right? They come in like, oh, like I'm, I'm smash this old guy out of here, but. Cub Swanson. It's Cub Swanson, though. Exactly. You can never. Yeah. And and that is going to be very much a part of this card on Saturday because you've got that is very much the build of this card. It is a lot of old grizzled veterans versus a lot of uh, new young talent. And uh, yeah. we're going to I mean, we'll get into it. But so let's start from the bottom up here. Uh, and I just mean from the prelims to the main card. Uh, yeah. Uh, also to the audience, we're not going to talk about every single fight just because uh, we like to keep these podcasts around an hour long. And so we're going to just point out some of the the hype, the fights that we're pretty hyped for uh, and some worth that are pretty worth noting. Uh, So we'll start from the beginning with uh, Cody Stamen versus Asker Asker. And this fight's interesting. Uh, Cody Stamen kind of meddling around. He was, he used to be in, uh, feather, or I believe he used to be a bantamweight. Now he's moved up to featherweight. Um, his last, you know, his he's 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 been on some wins, been on some losses, but the guys he's lost to have been have gone on to become, you know, pretty high level talent. He lost his last fight at bantamweight was against uh, Aljamain Sterling, and then yeah, and then his most recent loss at featherweight was against uh, Jimmy Rivera. So. He's taken some losses. Sterling's a savage. Yeah, Sterling's a savage. Rivera's a savage as well. So those two, uh, I mean, so, you know, Stamen's definitely trying to find his place in the card, whether he's going to actually advance in the division. And he's been put in a weird spot here because uh, his his original opponent had to back out uh, due to testing positive for COVID. And now he's going to fight Asker Asker, who is a call-up from LFA. And uh, both guys, uh, from what I could find of Asker Asker, very similar style to Cody Stamen. Both guys like to rush out quick, try to get the finish quick, and uh, usually end up going to the decision. But uh, Asker Asker, I just found the one fight of his in LFA, and it actually reminded me a lot of Cody Stamen. They just come out of their corners like a bat out of hell. and uh, But have have difficulty finding the finish either it's they've they they're too eager to find it or they don't uh they don't condition themselves enough to keep the fight keep that knockout power going for the whole fight can i can i interject for a second absolutely here's my uh my thing about cody stamen why i feel like uh he's not as successful as uh he potentially could be um i think he has he has what it takes in the sense that he's not lacking heavy in a certain area. He's got, he's got, you can bring that foot up to your head really quick with a lot of power. You can land those, the jab really nice. You can, and he's in and out. He sees what you're doing. He's quick. He's faking. My issue is that he's not putting combinations together. It's all one strike at a time. You'll go in one strike for jab. And if, and if you're still there, maybe he'll hook for the, for the hook. But he ends up throwing one strike at a time so much that the people back up after each, knowing that if if they if he misses the first strike, he's not going to follow up. So they can go in knowing they can get a little close, dodge quickly out of the first one, and then he'll he'll either try to back up, reset, or just stay there and wait. And that's when they start like, okay, these are the my moments where I can start picking, where I can start doing something. And you see something heavy get landed on him, 
or they'll grab him or something. I think he needs to he needs to really work on following up combinations and figuring out how to get two people without chasing them one shot at a time. I don't know if it's because he's worried. He wants to throw and get out and just like at all costs not take damage. But if that's the case, it's not working for him because he eventually starts taking damage once they figure him out. I agree, man. He does. He does. You now, you, you know, since you mentioned that you are correct, he definitely has the issue of, of uh, admiring his own work a little bit. He'll land a solid strike, but then he won't follow up on it right away. Mm. No, he won't. It's, he wants those power strikes and it's good. It's fine. You know, get them, but keep them. You got to keep your opponent worried that a blitz can come at some point, you know? If they're always worried about just the power strike and I feel like that's all they have to worry about, then they're going to stay on the outside. They're going to stay on the get out of the way land as opposed to like, um, it's more of a look out for what I can do as opposed to decide what I need to do, you know? Like, Like someone else is on this card later, Frankie Edgar. When you fight Frankie Edgar, you don't have a lot of time to decide of what you're gonna do because he's pushing so much combinations at you that you're forced to have to trial by error, you know? You're like, okay, I'll do this, I'll do that. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, switch it up again. You're absolutely right. Uh, he definitely needs to uh, follow with three fours. I think his opponents know that the, the one-two is pretty damn dangerous. Even, even, even twos. Even twos he's got to follow up with. He doesn't do enough, I think. Exactly. It, but, uh, it, and, and again, this guy is, you know, he's, he's, uh, I, I think that's the thing. He definitely has potential. I hope I, if, uh, so my official prediction for that one is I'm hoping Stamen, uh, beats this Asker guy. Uh, no, nothing against Asker. He did. He does look ready. He does look like he's ready to, to move up to the bigger stage of the UFC. Uh, I think, I do think that, uh, Stamen though is slowly learning like, you know, the fundamentals of let's, let's slow down. Let's try to stay in this fight and let's actually follow up on and, and get the finish. Yeah. Well, I think it should be noted that he doesn't have two losses in a row ever. Yeah. He's got a loss, comes back with a win. Loss, comes back with a win and he's on a loss. So the pattern says he's going to come back with a win. Let's see if he keeps that consecutive. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We got uh, the headlining the ma- the prelims. We have Clay Guida versus Michael Johnson. <laughs> the carpenter. The carpenter. Uh, yeah, we've talked about this before, uh, uh, Nathan, with uh, uh, not on the air, but uh, we've talked about fighters with deceiving records. And I think uh, a prime example of that is Clay Guida. Re- going into this fight, yeah. he is 35 and 20, but that does not tell the whole story. This guy has. Is he 35 and 20? I think he's 35 and 17. Is he? Okay. Well, let me double check that. But I think he was 35 and 20 when I checked. Uh, but either way, it doesn't tell the full story, right, buddy? It really doesn't, man. This guy has been in the game for so long. So, uh, yeah, he's been in the game for so long. And the main word that comes to everyone's mind when you think Clay Guida, cardio. Exactly. Nobody. But nobody has cardio like this guy. I've seen fights where he loses and gets up and starts doing laps. Like he, he gets, he gets uh, finished or something, and he's running, always, always moving, moving, moving. And that's why even though he's 38 years old and it looked like he was going to be re- retired, it looked like he was on his way out or something, he's still performing at a high level. Like he, he moves quick. He still has power. He's still lifting people up and slamming them. You know, they just uh, like his last his last fight, Bobby Green. He lost that fight. That was uh, 2020, I believe. But this man's lifted and slammed him multiple times. And it wasn't it wasn't conditioning that made him lose that fight. We'll just say that it wasn't conditioning. You're absolutely right. And uh, on the other end of that spectrum, we have Michael Johnson and Michael speed, speed. And I just I, I you know what, man? 
there's very few people I actually feel bad for in MMA, but Michael Johnson is just one of them. <laughs> <laughs> this poor guy. You have to lose. You know this. <laughs> exactly. I must, I must be the champion. You know this. This guy. You must quit. We are talking about a guy oh who holds God. wins over Edson Barbosa, Dustin Poirier, and Tony Ferguson. And yet. Yeah. So obviously that should say, you know, that should speak for itself. Uh, but uh, yeah, it really should. This guy, yeah, like you were talking about, you know, referencing that Khabib fight. Khabib ate him up. Uh, then he got fed to Justin Gaethje. Then he fought Darren Elkins. Got fed. <laughs> you got fed to Gaethje. Gaethje must feed. I think. <laughs> I think his most shocking uh, recent loss was against Josh Emmett, who just knocked him out uh, very late in the fight in the third round, and that was a vicious knockout, though. Um, yeah. And he just can't seem to find his rhythm anymore. And unfortunately, I don't think he's going to find it against Clay Guida. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I agree. He, uh, he tends to get overwhelmed. I think with Michael Johnson, he has a game plan. He works a game plan. And when he goes in and he's able to pull off that game plan, it looks phenomenal. And you're like, Damn. This guy's impressive as hell. But then when the game plan doesn't work, he's like, oh, well, I don't know what the fuck to do. Like, <laughs> and the game plan's not working. I'm just – and he, like – it's not that he cowers or anything like that, but it's just once his game plan stops working, you, you, there's, there's not very uh, – as far as I'm aware, there's not very mm-hmm. many fights Michael Johnson where it's a lot of back and forth. It's he's winning or he's losing. You know what I mean? You are – you are. Uh, I mean, the the, the – more recently, he's definitely had more back and forth fights, but even then, he he tends to, like you're saying, he tends to fade. It it just seems like he's, you know, since that Khabib experience, since he just gets flashbacks and he kind of loses confidence in himself. <laughs> <laughs> that could be, man. That could be the case. I mean, but, his, um, his last loss I... was against uh, Tiago Moses, which was a very quick. Uh, uh, submission victory. This is the second round, 25 seconds in. So, uh, it, and he, yeah, I, I, it just seems like, it just seems like Johnson can't find his stride anymore. And, uh, I'm going to have to say Guida for that fight. I'm going to say Guida too. And, uh, two years ago, uh, I probably, I don't, I don't know. I probably would have said Johnson just because, um, I feel like Guida, he's, he's going to be doing his classical, Moving in like he's going for a takedown. You know he's going for a takedown. But so many inching, constant inching, constant inching. And he's like, he makes you wonder when exactly it's going to happen. And then he throws two big overhand rights or uh, overhand left, overhand right, overhand left again. He'll throw either one, two, or three massive overhands and then spear you. He does it all the time and it works all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously it doesn't work every time. But – it, it works well. It's a very, a very effective way to get people to the ground. And it's one of those moves that even though you know it's coming, it's, it's probably going to work unless you have a legitimate answer for it. Just because the constant move, motion, the constant faking, and the power that comes. I think people get surprised by Guida's power. You know? I think you're right. And I think the cardio definitely gives Guida a big advantage in this one in that Guida just doesn't fade. <laughs> he doesn't. And Michael Michael Johnson might have trouble with that. Uh, so let's yeah. move up to the co-main event. Uh, we've got uh, Frankie Edgar versus uh, Corey Sanhagen. Uh, nice. Frankie Edgar uh, moving down from featherweight, uh, getting a decision win at bantamweight going into this fight. And he has said uh, at the press conference today that if he wins this fight, he is expecting a title shot. Yeah. Um, I, I'm down with that. I feel like uh, I feel like he's deserving. Whether or not I feel like he's deserving is uh, is separate. I feel uh, uh, UFC doesn't really like Frankie Edgar. It seems, and they don't. I don't know. I feel like they might burn him. They might I mean, not give it what he deserves, but who knows? It will have to be a very dominant win for Frankie because uh, you know his last uh, win was even his last win by decision was split decision. So. 
Yeah. You know, you know, uh, Frankie Edgar's career speaks for itself. He's a former champion. And of course, you know, champ versus champ always, you know, looks good on paper. Uh, but Corey Sandhagen, on the other hand, he's a problem. <laughs> he's a big problem. He just came up. Corey Sandhagen is looking pretty good. Sorry. Keep going. So, yeah, just to, before you start there, Nate. Uh, uh, yeah, he's coming off a, a spectacular win in his first main event against Marlon Marais. Uh, he did a spinning wheel kick knockout in the second round. He uh, set it up by uh, supposedly breaking Marlon Rice's orbital bone with a nice uh, head kick and then uh, finished him off with a wheel kick. It, it was just a very, very good knockout. And uh, so, but it is one of these cases where a lot of Frankie Edgar fights where it is a guy with a very long reach uh, versus a guy who's in Frankie who's much smaller, but likes to be in the pocket, likes to has really good footwork. And, uh, and Frankie, you know, is known to have a hell of a chin. Oh, he's got a hell of a chin. And obviously it seems to be fading a little bit, being knocked out by the zombie and Ortega Mm -hmm. in recent fights. But that being said, he still has a nasty chin. And you see with the zombie fight, even when he got rocked, his ability to be able to last and be able to stay, like, stay without base. Obviously, he wasn't fighting back too well. He was on his back, and uh, Zombie was on top of him, hitting him and stuff. But his scramble to just have enough space of protecting his head, just have enough to move out of the way. He, after he got rocked and dropped, he was hurt for the rest of the fight. You saw after he got up. But he lasted, like, two, two and a half minutes of, of scrambling around, even though he was completely out of it. It's like that guy, you have to put him out cold if you want him to stop fighting, you know? He's going to keep moving. So that is definitely going to be a big problem for Sanhagen because, uh, yeah, if Sanhagen is hoping for another early victory, I I, I just don't think he's going to get it. (laughs) I don't think he'll get it either. And to be honest, I don't think he'll get a victory at all in this fight. I feel like uh, I think Frankie's going to get the victory, and I think Frankie's going to get a finish. And I'll tell you why. Sanhagen, he's um, yeah, uh, I guess similar to the to the statement, uh, to the statement thing. He tends to throw one strike a lot, but uh, he he'll he'll follow up accommodations. But with Sanhagen, he has so many different attacks coming. They can come from any time. He has so many different weapons he uses, and he uses them very effectively, very quick, and. Uh, they're pretty powerful too. I mean, obviously that's spinning wheel kick, but um, they're they're not just flash. They're legit strikes. But the issue that I have with them is that he lands them when he's dominant. Like if he's pushing forward and you're backing up, he's in his game. He's in his element. He'll throw a leg kick. He'll fake the leg. He'll throw a head kick. He'll throw a body back to the leg, back to the leg, back. And you'll just do this and that. And if you start backing up and trying to reset, he starts picking you and starts doing his thing. But whether or not uh, he's winning or not throughout the fight, as soon as his opponent decides they're the aggressor, it's like he immediately takes a skill level down. He immediately digresses a bit. And it's like like you've seen so many fights, people just reach out and grab him and they're instantly on his back because he like he freezes for a second or something. I feel there's slight hesitation in him. And people like Marlon Marias, mm-hmm. who wanted to, who are willing to do those back and forth exchanges and not rush them too hard, he can eat them. But someone like Frankie, who's constantly putting pressure, I think that's gonna, I think that's gonna put Sanhagen on his back foot, as they say. And uh, I don't think he's gonna. I think he's, I think he's gonna be surprised in the in the takedowns, in the ground game, in the clinch game. Uh, he, he'll probably do okay in the striking. Uh, I shouldn't say okay. He'll probably do really good in the striking, but at the same time, I feel like if Frankie starts following up those three fours that he does all the time, those leg kicks that he likes to do a lot, he'll get it. I think I think he uh, he has, he has what it takes to overwhelm Sanhagen and uh, break him down and get the finish in the later rounds. Later round, I think uh, I think I, I I think the opposite. To be honest, I think. Uh... Not not yeah. the opposite. I do agree that uh, Frankie Edgar. It's definitely going to be pressure versus power, um, but and it and you know Frankie Edgar is. Uh, I wanna... Okay, sorry. 
Well, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think so. I think you're right in that uh, Frankie Edgar is definitely going to, you know, have his signature pressure, and that's definitely going to be a problem for Sandhagen if he can't control distance. Uh, but yes. I do think uh, Sandhagen's ability to switch between leg, body, head, really good at just – he's not a head hunter. He, he really likes oh, to – Oh, he's not at all. Exactly. He just likes – he loves to pick people apart, break them down before yeah. he uh, goes for the finish. And uh, I think if he can enforce his will early on with, like you're saying, on the other hand, I think uh, Sanhagen could definitely use leg kicks against Frankie. Um, oh, for sure he could. And I, sure he could. I think if he's able to slow down Frankie at all, the fight will definitely tilt in his direction. I actually have Sanhagen for that fight. Well, he does have a big reach advantage with the legs, especially the way he's got that wide stance. And uh, he could definitely uh, uh, land the leg kicks. I guess I don't want to say easier, but he sh- he should have the the advantage of being able to land the leg kicks. But uh, I don't I don't know if it's necessarily pressure versus power. I wouldn't say Sam Hagen is necessarily a powerhouse. I feel like it's it's pressure versus sniping, but it's like the snipe. It's it's not power snipes. It's add up snipes. He adds up. But it's they're accurate and they don't know where like as you said they're switching it up from the leg to head you don't know where it's coming and that's why he's able to just do like one strike at a time one strike at a time here and there and um, once he notices you start fading he starts amping it up obviously as he should so maybe maybe a better way of putting that is pressure versus precision you know yeah very very yeah pressure versus precision that's that's accurate. Very, very, yeah, like a very technical striker in that he just he knows exactly if he can if he can start it off early he knows exactly how to pick a guy apart, and uh, yeah. I th- I mean don't get me wrong I think uh, for Sanhagen this is a big big challenge in that Edgar's pressure is un you know it's almost uncomparable like he just stays in front of you no matter where you want to go, and uh, he can switch it up at any moment I definitely think Edgar this is a tough fight to call, a hundred percent. Oh, it's definitely a tough fight to call, and uh, I'd say this is um, this is uh, San Hagen's hardest challenge to date. Um, Marlon Marias, I think, is an absolute beast, and I'm not going to say necessarily. I'm not saying Frank Edgar's better than Marlon, but as far as styles go for San Hagen, I think this is the hardest fight he's ever had that I'm aware of. Yep, I think. Uh, yeah. So 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 who so you think San Hagen, eh? How do, how do you think it's gonna happen? You have a you have a specific round or finish or uh, I don't have a specific round or finish. I think what's gonna happen is uh San Hagen San Hagen just extremely, extremely good at using his reach. And I think what's gonna happen is Frankie is gonna try to pressure him in and he's gonna, you know, try to get in that pocket early and San Hagen's gonna make him pay for it with either, you know, some nice kicks to the body maybe some nice kicks to the leg and very much the Sanhagen style of fight where it's like, Hey man, you want to get close to me? I'm going to make you pay for it. Um, yeah. And I just see Frankie, you know, Frankie's signature, uh, you know, he's definitely, it's not going to be a matter of Frankie trying to give up. I just think his body's going to give out on him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I see what you're saying. I feel yeah, I feel like it's going to be that way. Either side. One of the, one of the ways it's, it's their bodies give out. From from being beaten all over as opposed to a knockout strike suddenly. Now, if but, uh, if if yeah. Frankie gets in boxing range and and just starts, you know, it, he could definitely uh, uh, slow Sanhagen down if he throws like you know big hooks to the body and pops back out of range. Like, there's definitely you know Frankie's Frankie's footwork is very very good. So I don't, I'm. Oh, that's good, man. I, there's no doubt that Frankie is going to be able to get in and out of the pocket in my eyes. Mm. There's no doubt that it's just how much will he eat mm-hmm. doing so. And in between those pocket rounds, what is he taking? Will he like, cause because of San Hagen's reach, mm-hmm. San Hagen's use of his reach the way like he, he definitely is capable of, of picking Frankie and getting a momentum on him. And I, I, yeah, it's a close fight, man. It's a close fight. It is. And, and the fact that we can't really, like, even though we're disagreeing, we're both acknowledging, like, hey, man, the other guy's got a really good shot. Just tells you all you need to know about this fight. Oh, yeah. It is going to be an exciting one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lay down a uh, prediction for that. Yes, go ahead. I think 
first round, not as much feeling out as we'd think. It, it will be feeling out, but it'll be feeling out through strikes. I think uh, Edgar's going to get one or two takedowns. Second round, probably the same thing. Edgar's now starting to break him a little bit, though. Third round, Edgar's going to get him down. And uh, it's, he's going to keep ground and pounding him, and the refs either going to end it or it's going to go to decision and Sanhagen's going to be a bloody mess and Frankie's going to have some nice bruises on it for, for his ability or for his, his trying, I guess. I, I don't know what the word. For, for his effort, for his effort, for his effort. There you go. There's his effort. Uh, I think you're right in that the cardio can make all the difference. This is only uh, uh Sanhagen's second main event and, or, Excuse me. It's not even the main event. It's a three rounder. Uh, <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a three rounder. That's a that's important. That's a that's a that's a big thing too. If this is going five rounds, I'd I'd lean even more towards Edgar personally. Yes, I'd agree. But uh, even with three rounds, it just means he's going to be even busier. So both from both ends, probably. Uh maybe not from both ends. I feel like. Whether it's a three or five round fight, Sanhagen will still fight the same fight because he kind of goes off of how damaged his opponent is. But um, whereas Frankie, because he's just the pressure, 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 I feel like it being a three round fight, he'll want to he'll want to stack more pressure. All right, and then there's just the main event to talk about, which we already did talk about in the last podcast, so we don't have to take too much time on it. Uh, Volkov versus Overeem. We talked about uh, Overeem saying that it was going to be his last real go. Uh, he's definitely thinking of retirement uh, soon. So I, I agree with I, I agree with uh, listening back. I agree with our, our predictions. Uh, I think if it's a early round stop, it's going to be Volkov somehow really pulling off, uh, uh, really slowing Overeem down and just picking him apart. But the longer this fight goes, the the better the better Overeem's chances are. I really think. Overeem could just exhaust Volkov and just beat yeah. the hell out of him. Yeah, I think uh, I think you and I see eye to eye on that fight quite a bit. Um, I give it to Overeem. I give it to Overeem too. I give it Overeem by finish in the fourth. I think uh, I think Volkov's main main weapon that I'm seeing is the the front teep kick to the body and the front uh, kick to the chin. And just like faking whether or not it's going to be one or the other, and maybe even the front kick to the uh, to the leg that like Jones likes to do, and a lot of other fighters are starting to do a lot more now too. Yeah, but yeah, um, that teep to the... it's just that it's just that hunched forward shape that uh, Overeem has. You know, it's he's ready to eat that to that toe to the chin all day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I, uh, I I yeah, like you said, we very much we see eye to eye in this fight. I think that that teep kick could make the difference. Uh it all depends upon if uh Reem is prepared for it and if Volkov's willing to switch it up. That that teep to the knee, if he really uses a teep to the knee, that is a disgusting uh kick because that can that oh, can tear, especially in heavyweight. That can tear ligaments, that can oh, just ugly, ugly stuff. Yeah. Man, I don't. I don't want to stray from the topic too much, but oh my god, am I excited to see what Jones is going to do to heavyweight legs? Oh, oh yeah. Oh my god, those those front kicks when he's got two hundred and forty power fa- or two hundred forty pounds coming down on that front knee of someone, we're going to see some blowouts, dude. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah, you're for some nasty, nasty injuries. You're gonna see. Yeah, you're gonna see some <laughs> nasty knee injuries. Uh, yeah, uh, Jones's style of stand up. It's gonna be interesting to see. Uh, because the, the effectiveness is, of Jones's kicks like that are very much his speed. So it'll see. It'll be interesting to see if he's still as effective as at throwing it at you know yeah. with the extra weight. But of course, it's John Jones we're talking about. So it's John Jones. So. Well, I mean, I think that is definitely the most anticipated uh, debut of the year as John Jones and heavyweight. Uh, and well, I mean, if, uh, if not that, Adesanya at light heavyweight. Uh, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. You just got to say the man's name and I, I freak out. <laughs> I, I get all fanboy about the ever – or the the – the last style bender. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, We've been following that guy since his glory days. He's very, very. Oh, he's, 
Oh man, he's in his real glory days right now. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> These are the real glory days. <laughs> and who knows, man? I mean, it, it, if if it, Adesanya and Adesanya will not stop talking about John Jones, so who's to say if he if he doesn't take a, a Blockovich's title if he says I'm going to heavyweight, I want John. <laughs> well, he's fought at heavyweight before. He has. And uh, he says he's he plans on doing it again, and um, I don't know. You're gonna see it. I mean, I don't know. Jones says that he always thought his best days would be at heavyweight, and it's like he came out and said that as if we were all expecting it. We're all like, dude, you never like. It was never really in our minds. It was more speculation. Adesanya has been saying what he's gonna be doing, and he's doing it. He moved up to light heavyweight even a little bit earlier than he said he was going to, and. Um, it's too bad that – I mean, I'm super stoked to see Jones at heavyweight, but it's too bad that that didn't line up a little better, you know, that they got to fight right before he leaves. Who's, who's to but, say it won't, buddy? Who's to say – Who's to say it won't? Who's to say we're, you know, maybe two years from – or, yeah, maybe a year and a half, two years from now, we're not looking at Adesanya versus Jones at heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> well, take this in. Say Jones, uh, Jones takes on the winner of um, of Stipe and Ngannou, right? Mm-hmm. Say, say he wins that fight, he gets the belt. Adesanya beats Blakovich, he gets the belt. Jones decides he doesn't want Adesanya to be double champ; he wants to be double champ. He moves back down to light heavyweight to to regain his belt and become a double champ. Just to really rub it in DC's face. No, <laughs> yeah, that is true. To go down, and that has never been done before. By the way, that you, we have never seen a, a double champion who's moved down a division. Uh, so, no. I, you're right. That's I never thought about that. DC started in heavyweight, but his first belt was in light heavyweight, and then he moved back up to get the second belt. That's right. And every good, every other uh, double champion has done the same. They've always started smaller, gone bigger. The only person who even attempted is TJ Dillashaw, and we all know how that went. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I love that fight. TJ Dillashaw. He's coming back soon. They have not I mean, said who, but, yes, Dillashaw is definitely uh, being talked about. His name's getting brought up more and more. Who should he fight when he gets back? Uh, his suspension's up, right? Yep, the suspension is up. He is, he is more than welcome to compete. I think the only thing is stopping now is uh, his re-entry into the USADA pool. Yeah. But yeah, – Oh, man, they're going to be testing him a lot. I can imagine, yeah. And, man – I I just I really hope that he doesn't test positive again, just because he's such an exciting fighter. And if he tests positive again, they're probably gonna slam him with a harder sentence than the first time, which was two years the first time, I believe. I agree with and you, man. I think he's these are his golden years. They're talking about glory <laughs> years. These are his glory. These are TJ's glory years right now with his age and his conditioning, and he needs to be fighting, man. I don't like the guy, especially after finding out he tested positive for EPO and even came clean about it, so there's no debate about it. Uh, but, I mean, I'd be lying to you if, if you told me that he's going to be fighting and I'm saying, oh, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> <You're damn laughs> yeah. Shot thrown out. Exactly. And that was – I and, yes, I'm glad you, you, you say, hear you saying that because, as you know, I was a big uh, Dillashaw fan when he was uh, in his prime at Bantamweight. Uh, I, 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 I was even one of the deniers when it first popped, you know, I was like, Oh, it must've been a tainted supplement. But as soon as he was like, no, it's, or as soon as somebody said, no, it's EPO. I was like, damn it. Dillashaw. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. and, and this is the thing. If, if it will set the record straight, it will like, it was his success due to him doing EPO the whole time. Or is it that he wasn't doing EPO at bantamweight? He only did it the one time to try to get down to 125. It didn't work. The guy fucked up. We can all move on. You know, he needs to come back at bantamweight and and just knock people out. <laughs> there is only one real thing that we can uh, that we can see or observe to kind of get an idea is his body. 
the man, as far as we've always seen in his career, has been unbelievably ripped. Unbelievably. He's a yeah. So the fact that he's not necessarily getting old yet, if he only did the EPO one time and he's not doing anything anymore, it shouldn't really change his body. He should still look the same. And if he looks if he looks flabbier or not as or not as toned, there's a pretty good chance he's been doing it for a while and has suddenly stopped. And I'm telling you, know? you brother, I, I they he uh, was standing next to I think it was I forget who he was. He was standing next to somebody recently on a uh I'm just looking it up right now, but he was standing next to somebody on his Instagram. He looked good. He looked big. He looked good. And he, the thing was, he was standing next to a guy who was in a weight division like above his, and he looked like he was the same size as him. Oh, that's good. So that's good. I mean, uh, that's that's probably a good sign too, especially especially if he's he's pissing clean. Then then that's a good sign that uh, he probably wasn't doing it before. But that could also mean he's still on it, the bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and he just knows that that first, uh, that first positive test is a messed up test. He wasn't prepared or something like that. He's like, oh, I get back to, to beating these tests. I was doing it before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is all hypothetical, of course. But Yeah, I'm just kidding. I, I doubt that's the case. I honestly feel like he only did it the one time. At the same time, it's a little suspicious, but... Uh, how can you not be suspicious of someone who's tested hot, you know? The only way to answer that is is let's see him back in the cage and let's see how he does. Uh, Nathan, we um, are we are running out of time, buddy. It has been a good one. It was it, This has been an exciting podcast, my friend. We still got so much to talk about, but uh, we'll save it for another time. It's like, it's like we have an idea of what we're going to get into, and we're like, it's, it's all surface scratching, man. It, we got to – there's so much. There's so much. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap this one up, though. Uh, you guys have been listening to the reigning, defending, undisputed podcast. My name's Ian Anderson, my co-host, Nathan Robinson. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at the underscore RDU podcast, all lowercase. Uh, you can follow me at Ian Anderson 925. You can follow Nathan at Nathan.j.robinson. Thank you very much for listening. You have yourselves a good one. Peace out. Peace out.